we uh, started a series uh, two weeks ago, and we began to talk about songs of Christmas. And um, <clears throat> I love Christmas songs. Now, there's only one thing that makes it feel more like Christmas to me than a good Christmas song. Anybody want to guess what that is? Snow. Do I have any snow lovers out here? I'm with you guys. But for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the songs of Christmas. And in the first week, we looked at Oh Holy Night. And, and there was a phrase in that song that we began to look at, and it was the weary world. The weary world. And I said that if anything would describe the world that we live in today, it's weary. And we begin to look at how that, that Mary and Joseph, we see them there as Jesus was about to be born, and we think it was just a glorious time, but they had to be weary. The Jews had to be weary. They were waiting for a Savior. They were waiting for the Messiah. And as we begin to look at that song, we understand that that accurately describes the world that we live in today. People are simply weary. People are tired. And we begin to look at that, that in the middle of our night, in the middle of our weariness, in the middle of our chaos, we have a thrill of hope. And that thrill of hope is none other than, than the, the baby that was born that night in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the, the weariness. And his name is Jesus. Last week, Pastor Aaron looked at, Oh, come all ye faithful. And we begin to, to look at that, that I'm so excited and I'm so happy that the good news is, is that he doesn't just call the faithful, but he calls those who are weary. He calls those who are sinners. And that how that God can help us become more faithful, more joyful, and more triumphant. Next week, we're going to look at a Christmas message. And I would encourage you, for those of you who know someone who is searching for something, maybe it's a, a, a co-worker, you know someone that's far from God. It, it could be a, a family member. It could be a neighbor. Someone who is struggling to, to navigate this thing that we call life. I would encourage you, to make a phone call, to send a text message, to pay them a personal visit, give them a personal invitation, because God wants to do something in their lives. He wants to help them find what it is that they're looking for. But this week, you probably guessed it by now, we're going to be looking at the Christmas carol, Away in a Manger. Now, this song was first published in, in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum back in 1885. And there's a lots of controversy as to who wrote it. A lot of people think that it was Martin Luther, the father of the Great Reformation. But then after more study, uh, many people say that that's not actually who wrote it. So there's a mystery as to who wrote this song. There's some disagreement as to who wrote this song. But there's no mystery that this song has touched hearts for decades and decades. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Now, there's something about imagining Jesus being born that night. There's something of uh, thinking about how that God uh, stripped himself of his glory. 
and how that Jesus was born in the lowest place. And by that, we can see that there's none of us that are too low for His grace. But the phrase that is used over and over and over in this song, and my hope is, is that from now on when you hear this song, that when you hear this phrase, you will remember this message. The phrase I want to focus on is the little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus. As we begin to think about that night and we think about when a new baby is born, we look at him and, and they're so precious, they're so tiny, they're so fragile. I've made a determination in my heart that I will not hold a baby until they can hold their head up because I'm afraid I'm going to break them. Once they get to that point, then I'm good. But unfortunately, if we focus just on the baby Jesus, it may do a little disservice to us and to Him. You see, Jesus isn't just the seven-pound, three-ounce baby. There's so much more to what God intended. So instead of focusing on the little Lord Jesus, instead of focusing on the size of the baby... I want to focus this morning on the Lordship of Christ. The key thought of this message is simply, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 740 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord. And this morning, I want to look at one of the classic Christmas verses. One of the most quoted verses from Luke's Gospel Dealing with the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 11 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the Lord of glory shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So here we see at the very beginning of the story, at the very outset of this story, it is established that Jesus, the Son of God, is born. He is the Savior of the world and He is Christ The Lord. So the big question for us is, what does that mean? I mean, if Jesus is Lord, what does that mean in my everyday life? If I'm married, what does it look like in my marriage? If I'm dating, what does it look like in my relationship? When I'm at work, what does it look like when I'm there working? If I'm buying Christmas presents, what does it look like When I'm trying to get the last thing that's on sale. When I'm trying to out-wrestle somebody for a parking spot. What does it look like? What does it mean to make Jesus your Lord? There's a Greek word that translates as Lord. And it's kurios. And this word can mean supreme in authority. It can mean controller. It can mean Lord. 
Now, for some of us, when we start thinking about the word control, that's where there's a challenge. That's where the challenge, how many, how many people do I have that just love, you have to have the remote control in your hand. You have to have it. Why? Because you want control. And so when you start, how many people are schedule people? You have a, a schedule in the morning, and, and if, you, if anything gets out of order, you are messed up. Come on, I need, some people need to confess. Yes, I know, I know you're out here. There's some of you not raising their hand. I'm fixing to jump off this stage. <clears throat> Probably wouldn't be a good idea right now. But you, you want to be in control. And when, when something goes out of the ordinary, it just your whole day is messed up. Don't mess with your schedule, right? So when it comes to giving up control to Christ, it becomes difficult. But what does, it, what does surrendering to the Lordship of Christ truly look like? And this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to look at two different levels of surrender. The first level of surrender that I want to look at is the partially surrendered life. Now, unfortunately, I believe that in America, this is where many, the majority of Christians live. Casual Christians, cultural Christians. Uh, Craig Groeschel wrote a book, and it's called The Christian Atheist. And in that book, he discussed that, that, that there are so many people, they believe in God, but they live as if He doesn't exist. They are living a partially surrendered life. And in the book of Luke, Jesus was talking about the wise and the foolish builder. And he begins to, when he begins to speak about the foolish builder, he has this to say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He said, why are you giving me lip service? I don't want lip service. You know what he wants? He wants life service. He says, I don't want you just to be a bunch of talk. I want someone who is going to actually back up their words with action. I want someone who's going to walk the walk. He says, why are you calling me Lord and then doing whatever you want to do? Many people would say, I believe in Jesus as Lord. But I still want to be in control. I believe Jesus is Lord, but I still want to do what I want to do. I believe that Jesus is Lord, but I'm not going to trust Him with everything. And sometimes we will look through the Bible and we see things and we're like, oh, no, not that. Not that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I know it says I'm supposed to be generous, but I've got too many bills to pay. I know that, that I need to put God first, but, but I've got these other priorities. I know that I, I should be coming to church on Sundays and, and, and in fellowship with other believers, and God, I'll do that. I'll give you every Sunday when I'm not at the lake or in the woods. So we basically look at the Word of God, practical purposes, we just rip out the parts we don't like. 
the partially surrendered life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And this is found in the, the PSV version. Anybody ever heard of that version? It's called the partially surrendered version. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge Him. And you can make your own path straight. It's not a real version, okay? But a lot of times we take that passage of Scripture that we see on mugs and we see on, on cards. And, and But we see it, we read it, but we live it this way. God, I'm going to give you some of my heart. God, I'm going to lean on what I know, what I can understand. God, I'm going to direct my own path. But what we have to understand is, is, is Jesus is not a part-time Lord. He doesn't want part-time followers. He says, when you come to me, and when you ask me to come into your life, I want you to give me your whole life. He says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. If you want to find your life, then lose it. Give it away. Surrender it. Come under the lordship of Jesus. He is the supreme authority. He is the one that says what is right. He is the one that says what is wrong. He is the one who wants to be in control. He is Lord of all. And we, when we can come under His lordship, and he's serious in this passage of Scripture. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? And as you're sitting there this morning, ask yourself this question. What have I not surrendered to God? What area in my life am I still trying to control? What area am I unwilling to give to Him? Is it your kids? Is it your future? Is it a relationship? Some of you, you can sit here this morning and say, I, I know that I'm in a wrong relationship. I know that, that this person, they're not drawing me closer to God, but they're taking me farther away. But I'm going to do what I want to do. I can change them. What is it in your life that you haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? And the first step of surrendering to that is just being honest with yourself. What area am I not surrendering you see, all, almost all of us, in one way or another, we're living a partially surrendered life. All of us, at some level or another, have things in our life that we're still trying to control. And we try to suppress them. And we want to look at all the, the things that we are doing, but God said, I want it all. I want it all. I want to be in charge. I want to be in control. And I can tell you through personal experience that there are times in my life that I've had that attitude. There are times in my life that I've tried to control the situation. And can I tell you what happened? Train wreck. A train wreck. But when I finally get to the point Say, you know what, God, I'm tired of trying to work this out. God, I'm tired of, uh, of trying to hold this part back. God, I've, I'm tired of only giving you 
God, here it is. You work it out. And when I've done that, God has shown His Lordship. God has shown His power. God has shown His glory. The second level I want to talk about is the fully surrendered life. Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8 says this, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. He wants us to know and understand that we belong to Him. Our life is not our own. For the first, I don't know how many years of marriage, I hated wearing a wedding band. As soon as I, I would wear it, not just because it was uncomfortable, okay? Let me. <clears throat> I would wear it out, but as soon as I got home, as soon as I got home, I would take it off and I would put it somewhere. Now, every time I got ready to go out, I was trying to find that ring. Honey, have you seen my ring? If you leave it on your hand, you wouldn't have to worry about it. <clears throat> I'd be sitting at the kitchen table, and guys, you ever take it off and just spin it? Not a good idea. You can go under refrigerators and... But I hate wearing a ring. But, but after I got married, I started wearing this ring. So finally, maybe about a year ago, I ordered, I saw this thing on Facebook. It was for people who worked out, people who went to the gym. You can get a silicone wedding band. You don't even know it's there. So now when I go lift weights... What's all the laughter for? <clears throat> but I've got something that I, that I never take off. I want everyone to know that I'm married. And 26 years ago, and we were just talking about this the other day, I bought the best ring a 19-year-old college student could buy. I'm almost ashamed to tell you how much I paid for it. $300 at Montgomery Ward. Anybody remember Montgomery Ward? I am telling my age now. All right, all the old people. Thank you. It was a store, okay? Now, to me, that was a lot of money. I was working intramurals on work study, making at that time probably about 37 cents an hour. But when I gave her that ring, how much did it cost her? Nothing. Nothing. When, I, when we went to Valley Forge and, and I dropped down to one knee and I fumbled the ring and dropped it really close to a drainage system, a, a true story. After picking it up and wiping the dirt off of it, when I put it on her and asked her to marry me, when she accepted that gift, <clears throat> and then when we stood before God and she said, I do, that ring didn't cost her anything, that free gift. But at that moment, it cost her everything. And she'd probably say, amen. 
At that moment, she gave her life to me. At that moment, she said, my life belongs to you. And when we stood before God and, and she placed that ring that I hated wearing on my finger, I said, it didn't cost me anything. But I said, I give my life to you. And the same thing is true when we come to meet and ask God to be Lord of our life. Some people will say, you need to make Him Lord. Not to be nitpicky, but that's a very inaccurate statement because He is already Lord. He says, make me Lord of your life. Come under my Lordship. So when Jesus shed his blood and died for you, he offered you and he offered me a free gift, the gift of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It says it didn't cost you anything. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. He said, but when you receive that gift, then it costs you everything. You no longer hold the rights to your life. You belong to Him. When you surrender to His Lordship, and that's why that, that, this, that I get concerned about this casual approach to Jesus. Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is my friend, and that's true, but he's also Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's so much more than, than sometimes what we view him as. He's much more than that, that baby laying in a manger. He is the supreme, ruling, reigning king of the universe. If you're a Christian today, your life doesn't belong to you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 in the real says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit or acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. The word there that for submit or the word for acknowledge is actually the Hebrew word yada. And it's, it's the same word that translates to know. The same word that describes the intimate relationship that Adam had with Eve. And the reason that, that so many of us do not surrender some area of our life to the Lordship of Christ is because we do not know Him in that area of our lives. To know Him is to love Him. To know Him is to trust Him. To know Him is to surrender to Him. And when you know Him, you know that He's ever-present. You know that He's all-knowing. You know that He's all-powerful. You know that He's good in every way. You know that He's holy. To know Him is to have a relationship with Him. When they asked Jesus the greatest command... In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, this is what he replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said the greatest commandment, it's relational. It's relational. Christy and I still aren't together based on a 25-year-old empty promise. 
We're still together because we have learned to know each other. We have an ongoing love relationship. Every day we're, we're learning more about each other. Every day we're, we're giving more of ourselves. And you see, there's, there's many people here today. And there's many people that you come in contact with that, that maybe just because you joined the church years ago, or maybe just because you were dunked in water, or maybe you checked a box on the Connect card, or maybe because you say God bless you when somebody sneezes. The reality is, is that there's so much more to Christianity. There's so much more to the Lordship of Christ. The gift of eternal life, it may not cost you anything. But your reasonable response is to give your whole life to Him. Your reasonable response is really to know Him. I was talking with someone before church and, and we begin to just talk about. They begin to express to me if we could just ever learn to worship. If we could ever just learn to worship and then to get into His Word and to know Him. That's how your past becomes straight. That's how that you are led and that you are guided by the Holy Spirit. It's when you get to, to know Him. There were things in our life when, when in our marriage, there were mistakes that I made. Thankful I was a quick learner, and I didn't make them very often. I'll never forget. There was one time that I had to put her birth date on something. We hadn't been married very long. Well, actually, probably about, I think I remember exactly where I was when I made the mistake. I put the wrong birth date down. You think, that's not that bad, right? That's not that bad. The bad part it was, it was a birth date of one of my ex-girlfriends. True story. I'm not just preaching. I'm telling the truth. I never made that mistake again. We're still married. But it took me a while, and it took her a while to understand. To understand each other. And to get to know each other. And God says, if you will just ever make an attempt to get to know me, know my heart, know that my promises are true. We're all going to go through things. We're all going to go through situations. We're all going to have sickness knock at our door. We're all going to have a heartache and heartbreak. We're all going to have financial problems. But God said, just get to know me. Worship me. Know who I am. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, 
did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. Verse 23 says, then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I believe that this passage of Scripture is telling us that there is a huge difference in calling Jesus Lord and surrendering to His Lordship. He is Lord. He gave us His life, and He wants us to give our life back to Him. He wants us to say, not my will, but yours. He wants control. He wants to to take whatever it is in your life, whatever it is that you are trying to control, He wants to take that and He wants to show you His power. He says, if you will just surrender to my Lordship. You may be here today and you may be looking and, and looking at yourself and saying, you know what? I fall in that first category. You know what? I love God. I love God. But there's some things I'm holding back. I love God, but I don't want to give up that control. I want to be His flower. But man, I don't completely trust Him. When you look at a relationship, and I tell couples this all the time, you have to trust each other. You have to trust each other. If you don't have trust, and if you're a follower of Christ, you've got to trust Him. Not with just some things everything is it hard to give up control absolutely is it hard to give it all to him absolutely but there's a difference there's a difference in maybe the relationship because there are times in our earthly relationships that someone will do something to break your trust. There are times in that relationship that they may let you down. But the difference, the difference in a relationship with Christ is He will never let you down. He will never let you go. He will never leave you. He will walk with you. He will be your Lord. You can trust Him. Not just with some things. But with everything. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here this morning and you may say, Pastor... I don't even fall into the partially surrendered life. I've never asked him to be Lord of my life. 
I've never asked him to forgive me. I'm not even struggling with holding some control. I haven't given him anything. This morning is your opportunity. Right now, if that's you, said, Pastor, I need to just surrender. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Just slip your hand up. Thank you. Just slip your hand up. Thank you. You're absolutely, absolutely not here by accident. God's working a plan in your life. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm trying to follow after him but there's some things that I just I just haven't been able to let go of there's some things in my life that that, that I want to make him I, I want to give him everything but man I don't want to give up that control God's calling you this morning he's calling you this morning he says give it to me give it to me let me have control let me show you that you can trust me if you're here this morning you say that's me I'm still holding on to some things just slip up your hand thank you thank you I'm still holding on to some things I love him I want to be his follower Everybody stands. God sees right where you are. God knows your situation. God knows your hurts. He knows your fears. He knows your struggles. He knows what you have doubts about. He knows everything about you. He created you. He has a plan for your life. It says when you were still in your mother's womb, He knew you. And He knew that on December the 15th, 2019, you were going to be at 444 Blackbird Avenue. He loves you that much. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to come and stand at this altar so that we can pray. If you're here and you've never Surrendered your life to him. If you've never made him Lord of your life, today can be the best day of your life, bar none. 
And if you're here this morning and you raised your hand, you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling with some things. I'm struggling giving up control. I've got some things in my life that I've been trying to work out that I'm holding on to. Come to this altar and let us pray. Let us declare. Some people think, do you always have to give an altar call? And there may be times that we don't, but there are nothing that I'm more sure of than knowing that there is power in praying for each other. There is power in agreeing with each other in prayer. And I can promise you, when you come, you will not come alone. We have a prayer team that wants to pray with you. I want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. We want to disciple you. We want to be there in your darkest moments and in your greatest victories. We want to rejoice with you. We want to mourn with you. So I'm going to begin to pray. And they're going to begin to play. And I'm going to ask, if you raised your hand, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. You say, well, Pastor, I've been to that altar ten times and it's never made a difference. Come the eleventh time. God wants to make a difference in your life. God wants to make a difference in your life. So right now, don't hesitate. As, as he begins to sing and as I pray, make your way to this altar and let's give everything to him this morning. Father, I come before you. God, you see every hand that was raised. God, you know right now what the enemy is speaking to them to keep them in their seats. I come against every lie of the enemy. I come against every lie. God, you are great. God, you are awesome. God, we surrender right now. We surrender our lives to you. God, there's times in my life that I know that I want to hold on to things. But God, today I give it to you. Today. I declare your lordship. God, today I declare you are Lord. God, I'm thankful that you came as a baby. And I'm thankful for that manger scene. But God, never let me equate your power to that manger. God, you are Lord. I love your God, voice. you are. And all knowing, you all loving, all caring, Lord. God, you see right where I am. Nights, God, I pray for those that have stepped out this morning. God, those who are declaring your Lordship right now. God, may you allow them to know that you can be trusted. God, allow them to live their life trusting in you, leaning not to what they understand, but God, to you. Oh, my life, you have been faithful.